Just before we get started, the Second Act Podcast would like to acknowledge that we are recording this podcast on Treaty 7 land inhabited by the Blackfoot Nations. This includes the Siksika, Pikani, and Kainai. We would also like to acknowledge the Sutsina and Stony Nakoda First Nations, as well as the Métis Nations and all people who make their home on Treaty 7 land in southern Alberta. But now that we've paid respects to people that were here before us, let's start the pod. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of the Second Act Podcast. And today's guest is a very fun guest. It's not as heavy as some of the guests we've had in the past, but it, it outlines another man's story that's very, very fun. Yeah, that's the word I would describe Kettlebell Keith, Keith Weber. He's a physiotherapist out of Red Deer, Alberta. And, um, you know, he's got a, a pretty substantial Instagram and YouTube following. He's done a lot of really, uh, really interesting things kind of on the spear's tip of the kettlebell industry over the years. And he parlayed it into an appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast. And we have a lot of fun talking about that on here too, but he does a lot of different cool, fun things with his, with his notoriety. And he is a practicing physiotherapist. So he has an opportunity to, to do a lot of really different um, cool things with, with his training and with his knowledge. Yeah. And uh, at first glance, when I heard about Kettlebell Keith and I listened to the first little bit and he talks about how him and all his children and his wife are all physiotherapists, it seems like kind of a straightforward life, but then you listen to his story about how he puts out this video and it blows up and people want him to make more and it gains the interest of Joe Rogan and he eventually ends up on Joe Rogan's podcast and his world kind of explodes into this two-sided. He's got the physiotherapist Keith Weber, who's very smart and well-spoken, and then you've got Kettlebell Keith, who's very motivational and it's a interesting divide between the same person and you can see personalities of both in Keith himself. Yeah, that's a, that's a great thing to note, actually. I hadn't thought of that. Um, so, yeah, we, we're really, really excited to have Keith to spend some time with us. Uh, there are a couple audio glitches in the, in the pod when uh, things started to go dead. I uh, would love to give a shout-out to, uh, to Dean Burton for setting this up. Dino, I know you're listening, and I appreciate you a lot. Um, and without any further ado, please welcome Kettlebell Keith Weber. Oh, thanks for having me, Gord. It's, it's really exciting to, uh, to have somebody on that's got such a unique story and, and and it's fun it's not uh it's not like you know there was ever like a real doldrum where you had a job that you hated or you know your your mental health suffered so badly and you're on this this you know ride out those are fun too but this one's just uh you just built awesome on top of awesome on top of awesome and, and here you are well i have to say there was a period of time when i first started physiotherapy where I didn't know I wasn't doing a very good job and uh, it was, yeah, probably a year and a half where I was traveling up to Edmonton, doing a lot of postgraduate training, trying to find the answer, trying to find the way to help people. And uh, I mean, I couldn't even fix myself. I was getting increasingly frustrated with the results I was getting and, um, and then going to these courses and, and sitting inside on these hot summer days, uh, just trying to figure out, you know, get more training and, and learn how to be a better physio. And, you know, I would go back to work on Monday and I would be no better off than I was when I, when I, uh, left. So it was, yeah, it was, uh, but it was good because now I, I'm so thankful for how I do physiotherapy, which is a little bit a little bit different than a lot of people and uh 
uh, it's not, you know, it's not, <laughs> it's not a crazy way to do it. It's just more hands-on. A lot of uh, physios nowadays are using needles and we do use needles, but uh, needles and shockwave and all these things in an attempt to get rid of scar tissue which is a lot of the, the cause of pain in the human body. And fortunately, I took this course in Edmonton. It was a weekend course, and this guy changed my life. Um, I had such bad right elbow pain that, you know, doing a set of squats or a set of pull-ups, you know, I would be uh, you know, nearly debilitated. Um, I would wake up every morning and have to do 10 minutes of elbow exercises to get my elbow limbered up and uh and of course i did everything you know i did ultrasound i did all these exercises i did everything as a physio that i would do if i was my own patient I treated my neck everything and then uh this guy worked on me for about 10 minutes didn't even i didn't even tell him about my elbow it was just a fate and uh the next morning i woke up and for the first time in eight years my elbow it hurt where he worked on me but that that pain that i had been getting was gone completely i <laughs> i couldn't believe it and sometimes i still can't so um i went back to the course of course absolutely stoked to learn more from this guy and it was really just opening my eyes to the possibility of doing things a little bit differently and uh yeah and it's ended up being a wonderful career i go to work every day now just excited to work on people and see how much better i can make them in one treatment and definitely uh you know, my kids are now physiotherapists and my wife's a physiotherapist and we all do it this way. And it's something I could probably teach you or anybody else how to do uh, in a few hours. It's not, it's not, uh, <laughs> it's not that comp. I'm making it sound more complicated than it is. <laughs> the wonderful way it's a, you have your hands and you have this tool that you can take with you wherever you go. So, uh, yeah, wherever I go, if somebody says I can see them rubbing a body part, I'm, I'll, well, yeah. if I know, I'll go over there. I'll say, hey, do you mind if I look at it? You know, it's so I still love the job. I'm so thankful I found a career that you know was meant for me. So, yeah, and that's that's interesting that you found a, you know a, a, on the first try because you know we're we kind of make these decisions when we're young and and don't always understand all the things that are going to fill our cups as our life progresses. Um, was was the physical activity and the the body soreness and the injuries that come with that the physical activity that you did as as a you know as a child and as a young man was that something that influenced it you just knew you couldn't live with that kind of pain and you wanted to understand it or what what led you down that path honestly it wasn't that well thought out i uh i had when i was 19 i graduated from nate with biosciences technology and i knew that I couldn't tolerate working for $6 an hour. And, <laughs> and I got this job tree planting. That was the most wonderful thing. The most a huge life-changing experience. I, uh, at Nate, a lot of the tree planting companies in Northern BC and Alberta would put up signs, you know, saying, come, you'd basically put your name into this time slot for a job interview to go to this summer job tree planting. And that's when I met Earl who ended up being my boss for eight years. And, uh, so yeah, I worked for him for eight summers in a row and it was, uh, it's, oh my gosh, what a wonderful experience. I still, uh, <laughs> I still think, especially when summertime rolls around, I think, oh man, like, uh, yeah, I love that job and 
uh, it enabled me to become basically a professional student. <laughs> so I was sort of yeah, going through, I like school. I like uh, the challenge of learning new things and, you know, you, you get to do an exam and see how smart you are. And um, so I just sort of hung out in school for a few more years. And then I had a girlfriend that was a nurse and she suggested physiotherapy. And prior to that, I was never really thought about it. I was Wow. So I looked into it and uh, fortunately I was always a fairly diligent student. So I, I took a year and I really studied hard and uh, got the grades I needed to get into physio. And that was back when it was a four year degree. So I actually didn't start practicing as a physio until I was 28 years old. So oh, wow. I did a few things before that. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's definitely a calling for me. I mean, I, it's, I love it. <laughs> well, it's interesting that the, the tree planting and, you know, so I, I, you know, a little research on you and I, I caught that. And I guess in my mind, it was like the body stress, the, the wearing the big packs and the, the stress that puts on your hips and everything, you know, in my mind that led to the oh. physio, the interest in physio. And it's interesting to say that, no, I just love tree planting. I love being outdoors. I love the physical yeah. work and, and, and you just kind of fell into something that kind of lined up when you look back at it. Well, and it has been a huge gift throughout my career because it's such a right side dominant activity. You're, you have the shovel in the right hand, you're kicking in the tree with the right hand, you're bending forward. So I've had a ton of adaptive shortening on the right side of my body. That's why my right elbow was so sore. Uh, that's why, you know, my right low back, my right shoulder, all these things uh, have probably been because of the repetitive nature of tree planting. And it, it is a, a fairly, it is, it's a, I sometimes think, Oh, it wasn't that hard. But if I think about doing it right now at the age I'm at, I'm thinking, wow, like <laughs> it, yeah. it really stressful job on the, but, but one of those things you adapt to and you, you, you love it. Right. So, um, so yeah, over the years I realized that, Oh, wow. Like, even if you have a sore shoulder, like you can actually fix these things. And it might take more than one treatment like my elbow did, but uh, most things are the result of adaptive shortening in the body. And so I'm, I've been sort of like a, my own experiment and <laughs> I've had definitely lots of treatment at my clinic by my colleagues. And uh, so, and that just gets me more and more apt when I get something treated that's been nagging me for a few weeks and, and it's then it's gone and i'm like ah oh, it's such a gift and it's just so exciting because i i mean there's nothing worse than dealing with chronic pain so oh yeah and i think chronic pain is kind of um you know one of the things that you can't see like we we went down to uh down to the states to a water park a few years back and i told my wife that the next pandemic or epidemic pardon me um that the united states is going to see after obesity is bad tattoos because you're sitting at a water park, they're just terrible tattoos everywhere. And I think the one uh, epidemic that is kind of unspoken is people that live with chronic pain and the things that they do to compensate or to uh, alleviate that stress, right? I think it's, um, you know, from drug, drug abuse and prescription and otherwise, and just, you know, the way people are, uh, you can tell somebody who's living with it, they're, they're not the same person that you knew them to be, right? Yep. Oh, and it's so prevalent in so many shapes and forms. And I would say uh, the way I see it among my friends that are my age, even younger than me, they're starting to say things like, oh, I'm getting old, you know, I'm too old to do that kind of thing. And 
and I, I understand where they're coming from. Like, I understand. Yeah. If you, if you feel pain, you feel fragile, you don't feel strong, you feel weak and, and no confidence. And yeah. when you don't have any pain, anything is possible. Everything feels possible. So uh, I understand where that mentality of, you know, I'm getting older because we always associate uh, aging with pain, I guess, which it uh, doesn't necessarily have to be the case, but I, I think we definitely need more ma- maintenance as we get older. And uh, so I'm glad to say I have many people in their 80s that are still chopping down trees and splitting wood and doing, you know, living their best lives. They might not be running marathons or doing jujitsu, but they're doing like they're being really active and, and happy. I'm glad that I can help them if they go and strain their back you know lifting a tree stump i can help them out so <laughs> it's well it's and it, really inspiring to see that so i just went on a bike trip with uh a big group and there were a couple there that were both in their 60s well into their 60s and we were biking 100 kilometers a day in the heat and these guys have just been lifelong exercisers and they uh husband and wife and they just they were fine like it wasn't yeah have to wait for these guys they were just they were you know they probably went to bed a little earlier and maybe didn't drink as much beer as the rest of us but they they were hanging in there during the rides and it was i just thought wow like i want to be like that so yeah and it's it's when you when you strain your back doing the work versus like you see people that throw their back out you know cleaning out the dishwasher right it's like there's a difference there and it's one of them is, is you're straining these muscles. And one of them is, is you're using your muscles incorrectly and compensating. And that's why you hurt yourself doing the most benign tasks. <laughs> well, and that's a, a lot of that too, is that what we talked about, that adaptive shortening of the muscle and that scar tissue in the muscle that might be there and it's asymptomatic and you don't even realize you have it until you just do that right movement to, to tweak that, to activate that, that tear that you you didn't even know you had because you weren't moving into that position so uh yeah most of the things i see i would say are fairly benign reasons and and it's shocking to people they're like i didn't do anything and it's like no you didn't but when you were 12 you fell off the teeter-totter really hard on your shoulder or your head or you strained your knee really bad when you're riding horses when you're a kid and and now it's come back but that's okay we can get rid of it it's a it's a good news story but uh, don't worry. <laughs> so, and yes. I'm so thankful to be able to say that because I couldn't say that in my first year of doing physio. It's because I wasn't, I wasn't using my hands. I wasn't, I was just using machines and, and, and exercises. And, uh, if I, if I have a problem, I want to know that I can go to a place and say, I've got this problem, fix it. And they will fix it instead of, well, you know what, go home with a sheet of exercise and see how it goes. I don't want that. And I don't think anyone wants that. So it's nice to be, to have a, like a solution and that the person can walk out immediately and know that it was worthwhile. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just so thankful for that because I know a lot of uh, practitioners maybe don't get the satisfaction that they, they deserve. Cause it's a, it's a, I don't want to say it's a hard job cause I love it so much, but it is, it's a, it's an energy, uh, dependent job and, but it gives back just as much as it gives. So. 
Well, that's, uh, that's, I mean, that's all anyone can ask for, right? And that's the stories we're trying to tell as people who feel like that. So, you know, anyone who follows along on your, on your Instagram and, and what you're doing on social media and stuff sees that, I mean, at this point in your life, you're, you're lean, you know, you, you keep the, your body weight down. You're doing a lot of those exercises. Um, is that the way you've always been or have you been bulkier, more muscular, less muscular? How, how's that, um, kind of journey been for you throughout your life okay to summarize i was a skinny kid grew up with a bunch of really i grew up in sylvan lake in a trailer park it was awesome uh and i grew up with a i think our era there was a few years there where there was just like these mutants that i grew up with guys like dean like they were just amazing guys that probably could have made the nhl if they had like the right coaching uh and here i was pretty average physically <laughs> very yeah. and late bloomer i don't think i really hit puberty till i was even in grade 12 i remember people thought i was in grade eight it was ridiculous but i'm thankful for it now because uh it definitely drove me to do things that i probably wouldn't have done if i was just naturally born with like physical attributes uh, so yeah, I, I've, ever since I was 12, my dad bought me a Joe Weider weight set and I used that and I love the feeling of like your muscles burning. Um, if you want to talk about hard gainers, I, I fit the description perfectly. Um, and, but I stuck with, I just kind of like the feeling of it so much. And then when I was in my twenties, uh, definitely worked out, but totally not doing it right. You know, you'd go do three sets of 10 of at the U of A gym of bench press and then three sets of 10 pull down, like all these different things. But I was always reading books and magazines. And so I think I was, you know, doing squats and I was doing the hard exercises and I probably went through a phase. Actually, when I look at pictures of myself, then I was actually on that phase where I was eating six meals a day, uh, you know, 40 grams of protein with it. And I was kind of chunky. Like I was like, Kind of, you know, a bit heavier than I am now. I had a fairly full face and, you know, kind of looked like a bit of a lug. And then uh, in my late 20s, when I got married, I got a home gym again. I actually got in pretty good shape. Um, and then that's when I discovered kettlebell. I was in good shape for weightlifting. <laughs> but <laughs> I remember doing a relay race with some friends in the Rockies and nearly died. Like I was, <laughs> and I'd always been a bit of a cardio junkie and, uh, well, especially with tree planting. And I, I rode my bike across Canada when I was 24. So I, I always loved cardio, but just with the kids and stuff, it was really convenient to go downstairs and lift weights. Uh, but I definitely, my cardio was not uh, impressive. And I was actually getting, that's probably the heaviest I've ever been. I was probably about 180 and I was pretty strong actually for my side, for me, you know. Uh, and then when I, I discovered kettlebells through the weightlifting, I bought these books and I saw ads in the magazine about this Pavel Setsulin guy and he had these kettlebells and I got the VHS tape because they didn't ship, the kettlebells were nearly unheard of. They didn't ship them to Canada back then. And I uh, got this V and I see him doing these, these kettlebell things and I thought, oh wow, like that looks hard but kind of fun and wow like look how strong he is so uh, i had kettlebells shipped down to the states and then it's been a love affair ever since because i could get the same pump i got with weightlifting but i could also get the same cardiovascular high that you get with a bag skate from hockey or uh doing wind sprints or, but without the impact on the body so you could do it more often like i remember i would do wind sprints out in the field by our house and well my knees would be sore for five days 
but I felt great. So I, you know, wait five days. Okay. I feel better. I go and do it again. But I knew over time that this wasn't sustainable. And, uh, but kettlebells very easy on the body, very hard on the muscles. Um, but there's no impact. So even I just sprained my ankle when my wife and I were running earlier today, but I know that that's okay because I'll be able to (laughs) do my beloved kettlebells, uh, tomorrow morning without, you know, bothering. Yeah. But it's interesting that the kettlebells, um, you know, they're so prevalent now and, uh, you know, there's a lot of different exercises. I mean, at the YMCA where, where I've, uh, I've often gone, um, you know, there's kettlebell classes and, and there's kind of like the dynamic nature of them makes it so that kids, you're, you know, kids, but people who are just starting to exercise, uh, women that are, you know, pregnant or just postpartum trying to get back into it. There's so many ways you can do it, but there, like, there really is, you know, you, you, because it's so dynamic and your, your, your weight is so, it's moving so much there, there are ways to hurt yourself doing it. Definitely. If you're not doing it right. And you kind of develop this whole style onto your own without anybody showing you the wrong way. You just had to figure, figure it out. Or was your, the, you know, the exoskeletal knowledge that you have help you do that in in a manner that was safe. I think, I think coming from a, you know, a physio background helps, but uh, I think the kettlebells are, it's hard to do them wrong. I guess that would be the best way to put it. Like if you're doing a windmill wrong, which is arguably a dangerous exercise, you'll, you'll nearly fall over. It, it feels so unbalanced and out of whack. Most of the exercises, they just don't feel right if you're doing them incorrectly. And so there's almost a self limiting, a self, a built in safety mechanism with kettlebells. Although I, I agree with you, I have seen people doing swings at the gym, and I can see how that would definitely cause some low back strain. And for me, like I learned how to do, well, I learned how to do them from the tape for the first year I had them. And then, uh, and I just thought having a sore back and sore elbows was sort of par for the course with these things. Cause it was worth the, the rush I was getting, the results I was getting, I was getting leaner and more ripped without even really trying. It wasn't like I was like diet. I don't like dieting. It's terrible. And, uh, so then I went down to the States and I was glad I had that year of doing it almost right <laughs> to go down to the, down to Minnesota and train with Pavel himself. It was incredible. And, uh, learned that, Oh, okay. Like slight variations can make a world of difference in the size of kettlebell you're using the benefit you're getting out of it. So I try to portray that through my videos and, and do it correctly. Uh, so that people say, oh, okay. Like, you know, just little things like when you're doing a squat with a single kettlebell, ideally you want to have the the weight down like this. I see a lot of people, they hold it up like that. And even when I do that right now, I guess it's because I'm old, but my doesn't feel very good. My shoulder feels vulnerable and kind of pinches. Whereas when it's here, Oh yeah, that feels better. So uh, yeah, I've, I've tried to emphasize that. Although I have to say I was on YouTube the other day, I saw some comments and most of the comments on YouTube are, fairly positive but oh my gosh this one guy gave me a terrible review and i'll admit it was uh <laughs> it was actually a workout is actually a workout that put me on the map bert kreischer one of joe rogan's friends loved this six minute workout that i did and i was doing it in the sand and it was toward the end of a training session and it's like a 12 11 10 9 like a descending rep workout so my form was not perfect <laughs> and uh 
but I mean, it's not that it wasn't that heavy of a kettlebell, but Oh my gosh, this guy was just, Oh, he was uh, so unhappy with the <laughs> channel. And I was like, but I think he'd only watched this one video. And I, so my initial reaction was, I was kind of a little bit offended and a little bit hurt and angry. But then I thought, well, you know what? I guess if I was coming or going through the YouTube and I saw this, I might, <laughs> I might be a little bit uh, offended if I was a safety. I like to call them safety psychos. And because I think there's that boundary between doing safely, but also like if you do things too safely, um, then you're, you might not be pushing yourself hard enough. So I like to, I like to err on the side of safety, but also, well, if my elbow flares out a bit, cause I might fall over in the sand, uh, it's not going to hurt me, especially given that I'm only using a 20 kilogram kettlebell and I weigh about 170 pounds. So it, it's, it's okay. But so, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> it's amazing how, even after all these years, I'm still quite sensitive about, about negative criticism. Well, it's, it's kind of, that's kind of a perfect segue because you talked about going down to Minnesota and training with, um, with the master. Yep. And at, at some point you kind of became kettlebell Keith and you, you had this persona and you took it to a larger scale than just through your, your buddies or your practice. What, what went into that decision? Cause, cause that's kind of the, where you, you know, you took off and came on the map, like you say, uh, and, and we can talk about it later. You, you appeared on Joe Rogan's podcast in 2014. And that was, you know, not, I'm sure not an insignificant thing for you. That was, I mean, he was flying people to, to LA and, and you're, you're getting big and doing all this stuff. Like what's that whole trip like? And again, that was not planned. Uh, and it was born at the time that I did um, Joe's podcast he had somehow this was back in the day of the dvd so he had somehow gotten a hold of a copy of my first dvd which i will say you know how a band has its first album and oftentimes you could argue that it's the best yeah I, the first one is it was just born out of a place of teaching classes for five years at the clinic and you know mostly and i try to explain this in his podcast but he, he was he's so fun he'd make a joke out of it but I was trying to tell him, these DVDs aren't really designed for men. They're too hard for men. They're they're for women. Most of the people that came to my class were were women, mostly because women like classes and women like to work hard. If you go to any gym, you look on the stairmaster, you look on the cardio machines. The women are just sweating it out, and the guys are doing bench presses and drinking from the fountain and hanging out. So, not always, but like typically, I would say that's and. Anyway, uh, so all these women were coming to my class and the classes were getting bigger and bigger. And the women tend to use lighter weights and because their upper bodies aren't as strong as men, but their legs are so powerful. So I had to design these workouts because I'm a people pleaser to to kick these ladies butts. But I had to do it with them. And and I didn't want to use a lightweight because I want to get I wanted to be strong and have muscles. So I found this middle ground between. Uh, you know, doing the right number of reps to get the cardiovascular effect, but also mixing the kettlebells up so that you can do it for the long haul. So at least the, the set would last for at least five minutes. And I would just write down all the workouts and I'd plan them in my head. Every Monday I'd be, it'd be the first day of class. I think, well, what am I going to do this time? And, you know, if 
it seemed like there were certain routines that I would get lots of compliments on. Like women would leave the class and say, Keith, that was the best class ever. Okay, well, I better better keep in, you know, put a check mark beside that routine. So the first video is basically the seven routines that seem to be like my greatest hits for my classes over the five years with su- subtle nuances, but uh and basically people were like i can't make it to your class all time all the time you should make a dvd so that's really why i made it and i thought and i'd bought all the dvds that were out there to see what other people were doing and to be honest and no no offense to anybody but they weren't hard enough i thought these aren't nearly as hard as my classes like people can work way harder than this so i thought okay i'll make a dvd and i had no intent of becoming any more than just hey here's a dvd here's you know I made it in Mexico because a lot of these DVDs were made in back alleys of gyms and uh, none were on the beach. And, and I thought, wow, it would be, and I'm a child of the nineties. So like, this was back when, you know, like there's uh Ty Bo with Billy Blanks and there were all these different videos and there were all these programs on TV where people were doing videos in Hawaii. And I thought, that's what I, that's, I like working out seeing that as a backdrop, not a blue screen or something. And so, yeah, we went to Mexico one year with the kids. The kids were just little. And uh, my, <laughs> I had this, like, 8-millimeter VHS camcorder. And uh, and all I could take on the plane was a 20-kilogram kettlebell. That was the heaviest one. But that was kind of like the perfect kettlebell for most people. And, yeah, we found – we walked down the beach about a mile and filmed it. And uh, it ended up being – successful and it just sort of spread like wildfire and the the company that did the course with pavel dragon door in minnesota they uh i sent them a, a copy of i think in september and i never heard anything back from them and then just before christmas the guy that ran the, the company john duquesne emailed me and said hey you know i want some more of those uh send me a thousand of those dvds and i was like oh really okay and so he started marketing them and then he, Next thing I know, he's like, I need another 5,000, like, immediately. And I'm like, what? I had no idea. And then that was that would have been back in 2006. And then, you know, just sort of, I made another video in 2010, 2010. Every two or three years, it seems I'd make another video. And then, uh, yeah, and then I started, then sales kind of flatlined. And I thought, okay, well, that was kind of a good run. And then in 2013, 2014, uh, uh, John Duquesne's back. He's, I need another, I need more videos. You know, he's, I need 5,000 videos immediately. I'm like, really? Oh, cool. And then people started emailing me. And this was back before Instagram or, or I think there was Facebook, but it was mostly Twitter. We all communicated with Twitter. And people were like, hey, man, I saw you. Joe Rogan's been talking about you. I'm like, like the Joe Rogan, really? <laughs> How come? You know, and then <laughs> he loves going. I'm like my video. Oh my god, seriously! So then this guy sent me a soundbite, and it's and I I like it's like the most shocking thing when you see somebody famous talking about you. <laughs> and, and Joe's so honest. He was saying, I don't know who this guy is, but uh, he's got this video and it's awesome. And, and it was, it was a hard video. It still is hard video but i don't think there was anything out there quite like that and i was really hoping to fill the void uh, and just show people hey you're actually capable of doing this like maybe today you'll use a 35 pound kettlebell but if you stick with it maybe next month you'll be using a 40 kilogram and uh yeah and then i just he he messaged me on twitter and said hey man you want to be on my podcast and i'm like 
I've shown my wife, I'm like, and the kids, I'm like, are you guys, look at this, this is Joe Rogan. Like it's, so it's a dream. It's a dream that you never could imagine would happen to you. Like just some guy from Sylvan Lake, Alberta gets to be on the Joe Rogan show. It's incredible. Well, that's, and that was actually kind of, I listened to it a couple of times. I've listened to it previously. And then I listened to it, you know, in the last few days in the lead up to it. And you kind of made mention of it earlier that, um, like he, he kind of was half host and half comedian throughout, and he was, yeah. you know, giving you a hard time about your Canadianness, Canadianness, Canadianisms, yeah. uh, you know. Uh, but but at the same time, you could tell he was like, he was deferring to you on some of the stuff you were talking about, especially around the physio or the like the physical, you know, the, the mechanisms of the body. And I, I thought it was kind of a unique. Um, put and take in episode 600 or whatever it was yeah now that he's 1800 deep and he's having all these people that are so you know like world leaders and like he's telling donald trump sorry i'm not bringing you on and the way he is in those interviews and i thought like i wonder if joe listens to these old podcasts and thinks it was a simpler time when i could just a guy from sylvan lake who's got a killer video out there and we could bullshit for you know yeah yeah yeah, it was a simple time and it was uh and I didn't even know what a podcast was. Like I I kinda did, like I'd listened to a few and uh but I wasn't prepared and and I don't think but I'm kinda when I look back now I'm I'm guess I'm thankful because you know that was I was just trying to make sure I stayed authentic and I wasn't trying to impress Joe. I just wanted to I you know, I honestly thought we'd talk more about kettlebells. Yeah. <laughs> I thought we would just talk about kettlebell training and how awesome it is to exercise. And we'd go through all the different exercises and talk about how cool the Turkish getup is and how cool this is. And, and, uh, but it ended up being, but it was good. Like he's such an amazing person and uh, he's got so much energy and he's just such a brilliant guy. And I'm just so the, the, the most, I just had a feeling of gratitude towards him. Like, wow, like, thank you for giving me this chance to, uh, say like to, to to explain myself or to talk about myself and uh, you know I just I can't believe you're doing this for me because he really didn't I, I don't I, I think on it sold my video for a while but I, it wasn't a money driven thing for him that's the beautiful thing with that guy so um, but he definitely did me a big favor I mean he put me on the map he made people aware of me anyway so and then after that I realized well he's given me this real gift of, of exposure. Like I need to keep sharing what I'm, I'm learning as I go because I still love it. I'm not doing it. And that's how I am now. Like I, I, I'm just doing it because I think I have a slightly unique take on health and I just, and I think it's really simple. That's what I like about it. I feel like it's a really simple take. I have a few principles that I follow daily and it enables me to get away with, uh, not not eating perfectly and staying lean and and doing things with my kids that I love and not you know oh Keith can't do that he's too old like I I feel like it's <laughs> the kettlebells definitely have an anti-aging effect and it's it is something that everybody can do so. well that's that's I mean so many people realize an opportunity like that after they've squandered it right they they look back on something like that and say why didn't I create an Instagram account called kettlebell Keith and, and right. take that bull by the horns. And, and cause I mean, you know, here we are, I think I, I probably heard of you 
you know, I hurt my knee. We, I lived in Rocky Mountain House. I hurt my knee in 2014 snowmobiling. And um, there was, I, I was going to the physiotherapist there and, and, you know, I was, I was in pretty good shape. Then I was running, I was running half marathons. I was training for a marathon when I hurt, hurt my knee and, and that kind of buggered it up. And, and she was telling me about this physiotherapist in, in Red Deer that's doing these things. And of course, in 2016 or 17, when I, when I saw you on Instagram, I was like, oh gosh, I wonder. And sure enough, that's, you know, and it's like, it's interesting that, oh. that how we can put all these things together, central Alberta, you know, isn't, isn't oh. that big of a place, right? No, it's, uh, and you know, like one of the, my biggest joys is if I'm out in a random place, like last summer, my wife and I were in Jasper and just went on a little bike trip and I could see we were sitting outside having a couple of beers and we were on the, one of those patios and I could see this, this kid kind of looking over his friend's shoulder. And I thought, what's he looking at? Like, <laughs> and <laughs> we walked by here and Hey, that's Calbell Keith. Oh my God, that guy's a legend. So, of course, I I'm like, hey man, like, what's your name? And like, we chatted for a while. But I thought, oh my God, that is like so cool. And we we were just at the Garth Brooks concert, and there were a few kids there that because they're kids, they're like old enough to be my kids. And they're like, dude, you're Keith Weber. Oh my God. And I was like, oh, that is that is just so fun. Like that makes makes it so worthwhile that just to meet people out in these situations and. Uh, yeah, like it's yeah, it's just so such a gift. Joe gave me such a gift. So, like you said, I don't want to squander it, but at the same time, uh, I don't want to ram anything down people's throats. I, I'm just offering a way of a, some an aspect of training that I think if you like doing CrossFit, you can still do. You know, my kettlebell programs once a week. It doesn't have to be an all-encompassing uh, cult type thing it's it could be just something you add into your life to make other things better and that's how i i use it as a tool now so whoops um yeah that's how i use it now it's more like uh it enhances my life and i do two pretty hard workouts a week now with kettlebells and uh it's it's good now and, and that might go up to three in the winter when I'm trying not to gain weight, <laughs> but in the summer when there's like lots of stuff going on, I find the twice a week is sort of the sweet spot to maintain my kettlebell fitness because there is a difference. And that's, that's why I came up with the, the fourth video was because I, I, I had to figure out a way to still do kettlebells hard, but not so devastating because right. the way I, or that first video, I mean, if you did that first video on a Saturday, even if you're if you're in really good shape, uh, you'll be sore till Tuesday. And unless you're doing it all the time and you've accommodated to it, you'll have to recover for a couple of days. And now I'm realizing, okay, well, that's not as much fun anymore. So uh, during the winter, when I'm not as active <laughs> and I'm not going to go on these long bike rides or whatever. Uh, it's okay. I don't mind doing like a insane workout like that three times a week. Cause I'm, you know, there's nothing else going on. And, but in the summer, uh, yeah, I like to do the, the format of extreme four over the format of extreme one. So every video is unique. Uh, the third one is all ke double kettlebell stuff. Fourth one is how I really train when I'm actually trying to function in life. And the first two are just, if you want to get into shape, if you do the program that combines these two, 
uh, you will be in shape at the end of six weeks. I can guarantee if you will be in shape and you won't be injured, but you will be mentally tough, tougher. Yeah. Cause I've done the program a couple times. That was the best thing about COVID. Like that first lockdown, I did all of my programs with my kids because we had nothing else to do. The clinic was closed. And so all I did was kettlebells, nap, eat kettlebells, nap, eat. And it was, a, a real gift actually <laughs> it was it was like okay like i really have created something here that is feasible if you're at a certain level you just use a lighter weight and uh so it's very scalable so so this is going to be the first time i've ever uh i've ever done this this is like a, a three question lightning round when i i have <laughs> two two good friends that uh that I, when I told them I was, I was having you on, um, they both were like, Oh, sweet. You need to ask him. Oh, uh, so they've each got a question and I've got a question. Um, so the question I have is, uh, around your, and you talked about it on Joe's podcast, Joe, I call him Joe, like oh, totally. we, met, we met at podcasting university or something, but, <laughs> um, the eat, stop, eat. I've, I've read yes. about this. I've seen this. I understand, I think, notionally what it's about. And yes. like uh, you're, you know, without getting into all of it, just talk about yeah. Brad uh, Brad's book, Eat, Stop, Eat, and, and what you've taken from, from you said you read it a bunch of times. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thank you for asking that because these are things I wanted to talk about, but sometimes I forget because I, I get – we get talking and then next thing you know, well, podcast is over. Uh, that book changed my life for the better in so many ways, because prior to reading that book, uh, I, I had been ingrained with the philosophy that you got to If you're not eating all the time, your body is going to burn off muscle. You're going to fall out of this anabolic state and catabolism is going to occur and your all your gains are going to be lost. And Oh my God, the, so I was, I would always take Tupperware containers wherever I went. And I was always eating every two and a half, three hours. I made sure I would eat. I was eating five, six meals a day. And, uh, because of this fear that I, I was, I was going to lose my gains. Right. And, um, I would look terrible. Like I did when I, before I started exercising. Um, and then this book, after reading it, it's all literature reviewed. It's all, he's just basically looked at all the literature, having to do with fast uh or not eating all the time right uh in the military's got a ton of uh, research on this because they've got a group of people that are sort of like their captive audience and they it's in their benefit to find out what happens to the soldier if he doesn't eat all the time right because these guys you know it's not like they can go to the keg halfway through a battle so um and this book after reading it and after seeing all this research-based evidence i'm like oh my god this finally someone's given because i don't like eating that much like i mean i like eating i don't like eating when i'm not hungry and so suddenly I'm, this book is saying and then i'm gonna lose my gains if i don't eat oh my god it's, i'm so thankful and he was a big proponent of the 24-hour fast because his argument was that it takes about 16 hours before your body burns off all the the sugar that's in the liver and the muscles, and then you actually get into that state where you're, um, you know, you're burning pure fat. You're you're going to that ketosis state. Um, I think they realize, well, it's not that it's not that complicated. Basically, if you eat when you're hungry, 
when you're really hungry, you're probably going to be fine. So if you skip breakfast, which is what they now call intermittent fasting, to call it skipping breakfast. If you do it on a Saturday, that kind of takes the fun out of Saturday because, you know, you're, you get up in the morning and instead of having coffee and waffles, you're not eating. And, uh, and if to make it 24 hours, usually you start it after supper on Friday night. And so then, you know, you're all day, you're just like, Oh, you're kind of frustrated and a little bit angry. I don't know how how long some people can fast really easily. I find that uh, after about 16 hours, I start getting hangry like constantly. Um, and then you you just absolutely gorge yourself. You try not to, but Saturday night becomes this absolute uh, spectacular, you know, snack fest. It's it's so. But I did that for. <laughs> having said that, I think the 24 hour fast is a good thing for your mental willpower and i think it does have some physiological effects and after i did it a few times i think i got to the point where i wasn't engorging myself but it was and then then i started doing it on mondays at work and uh and i actually you know i kind of got used to it and it was it was okay but again i didn't like it yeah so um but i would say now I don't do 24 hour fasts. Um, I do basically, I just basically eat when I'm hungry. So if I get up in the morning and I have a really hard training session and it's 10 AM and I'm starving, I will eat. And uh, if I get up like this morning and we went for a run, I didn't eat till noon. So, but I was hungry at noon. And so, and then I try not to go to bed too full either. So, I don't know. It just, it's such a, it's, it was such a revelation to not worry about when I was eating. <laughs> like, yeah. and, and like, he doesn't talk too much about, you know, eating this much protein or uh, it's just, it's just like eat, eat sensibly. And, and you don't have to, uh, you don't have to stress too much about it. You can, and, and I always tell people, you know, I don't want to talk too much on Instagram about diet because my diet might be totally different than yours. Like I might digest Brussels sprouts and cauliflower really well, whereas you might hate those things. And why would you eat them if you don't, don't like them? Right? Like I think most people tend to gravitate towards healthy foods eventually, <laughs> you know? Well, and it's, it's based off eventually you get tired of feeling crappy if you know what I mean? Yeah. So you start to find the things that don't make you, you know, for me, um, corn is something that I just, I, I eat one corn on the cob and I'm just sluggish for a day. Oh. I just, I can feel it. I know it's there yeah. and then, and then it, it's gone and then I start to feel better. So I try not to eat <laughs> corn, even though right. I quite enjoy it, you know, and there's lots of good yeah. things like some of those salads that they make with them. It's, it's the greatest thing. Cause that sweetness that goes in with the beans and the cilantro, it's the ticket, but it's just not worth it for me exactly it gets to the point where it's not i'm like that with ice cream uh i love ice cream so much but it doesn't it yeah it doesn't uh make me feel good so it only took me about 20 years to you know figure that out but better late than never sorry so uh so the second question i have is a friend of mine who is is a big bulky strong dude um you just look at him and you know he's a big strong guy and he's been doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu now for a few years um, and he's kind of 
you know, he's, he's in that middle ground where he's a big, strong dude, but he's, he's understanding the, the dynamics and the, and the athleticism that goes into the barbell. So he's asking about um, the differences between and advantages of kettlebells versus barbells. Well, I love barbell training for, if you want to get really strong, barbell training is the way. Uh, and I know there's a lot of guys on the internet that are like into like the lifting the real heavy kettlebells. Um, uh, and they might argue with me on that, but I think as a tool for strength, I would say that, um, the barbell is the superior tool, just the way, just the way it is, just the way you can push it and pull it and put it on your back and lift it off the ground. It's just, it's perfect for getting really wickedly strong. Now, if you're looking to get uh, cardiovascularly fit to the, like these jujitsu guys, a lot of jujitsu guys love my videos. Um, you're trying to get to a state where you feel like you're on the mat and some guys like trying to get you and your, your heart's through the roof and you're trying to catch your breath and you're trying to stay calm under those uh, extreme circumstances of like basically exercise induced hypoxia. Kettlebells are perfect for that because uh, that's what it's all about. That's what I've tried to make my videos like where you're, if you're using the right weight by the time you get to the end of the set, you're just barely hanging on. Like you're, you're trying to control your breathing. You're trying to stay calm. So I think, so for your friend that's really strong, I would say you can have your cake and eat it too. Like if you want to be wickedly strong, keep up with the barbell training maybe, but maybe substitute in a kettlebell workout once a week. Cause you don't have to do it all the time. It doesn't have to be like a complete lifestyle revolution. It can be, but I remember when I was a kid, like, you know, hockey practice and, and if you had a bad game and the coach made you skate lines and I remember I hated it but I kind of loved it because you felt like a million bucks when you were done and uh, so I think I think for guys like your friend uh, he doesn't have to give up the barbells he can still look amazing and still be really strong um, but I it's hard to do kettlebell training with a barbell <laughs> it's hard right. to and and the cool thing is a lot of like a lot of my favorite routines are, are one kettlebell so you're holding on to this thing and it's trying to pull you over so you're using your whole core to keep yourself upright meanwhile you're using your legs and you're doing your shoulders and you're doing all these things uh and you're trying to breathe at the same time and, and it, you've got this kettlebell weight pressing into your rib cage and it almost feels like a guy laying on top of you trying to you know hook your leg it's it's sort of that same it's the closest thing i could think of to emulating that uh that horrible feeling that you must be when the guy's about to make you tap out like it's uh it it brings you to that brink and i think research is showing more and more now that that's a healthy thing to do that exercise induced hypoxia has very potent effects for our health it our blood our biomarkers uh cholesterol all these things blood sugars are affected positively when you uh get into that state more often than not and lastly and i'm i'm gonna i'm so this this buddy that's asking me this he's possibly the fittest guy i know he a long history of crossfit and as he got a little older and things got a little sore he quit doing it um but he's just a naturally fit guy and he pushes himself up if he's not, if he's possibly the most fit guy I know, he's definitely the most disciplined guy I've ever met. 
and he's asking about going overhead or showing the bottom of the uh, the kettlebell to the sky. And and is that something oh. that you do and recommend, or is that something that uh, that they should try and stay away from? Okay, so like where you hold the kettlebell by the handle, and then the the big part of the kettlebell is up yeah. in the air. Yeah. I don't. I don't. Oh, okay. I don't think there's a problem with that. I don't think there's an issue with that. The only thing uh, that I don't love about that, like let's say you're working on your grip strength or your shoulder stability. I think that's absolutely wonderful. And it's a really good way to do that. But I wouldn't want to, I would, I would want to throw it into the mix because uh, you're limiting your, your grip strength might give out before your legs do, or your grip strength might give out before your, your heart and lungs have gotten to the point where you've reached that brink of uh, full maximal load. So it's, you're creating a, an artificially limiting factor. Um, so I wouldn't, I would say I wouldn't like it to do like high intensity training with, but as a tool to help get those little stabilizers kicked in and maybe for rehab. Uh, oh, I, I think it's, it's great. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So, uh, want to be cognizant of your time. We've been, we've been on for about an hour now. So the, the question that I kind of ask at the end of all the podcasts is, um, what does success look like Keith? And, and does it look anything like you thought it was going to look like when you kind of took this persona on and, and decided to make kettlebells kind of, you know, your online thing. And, and, yeah. and when you, when you started on this journey with kettlebells, is it anything like you thought it would be? I honestly did not have a set plan or a vision of success per se but i i think if i had you know like to me true um success is freedom and so freedom to like work out the way i want to work out freedom to uh you know eat what i want and not be worried about you know getting fat if i have you know a piece of cake and and uh the freedom is being able to like just uh get my get my natural high from exercise and not be locked into a job that doesn't let me do that um yeah i just feel like and to do something i love like i really do love uh teaching kettlebells and promoting a healthy lifestyle and and i get to do it and uh it is a, it is the kettlebells really are a side hustle, but it's, 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 it melds so well with my real job that it's, it's just, yeah, my life really is fun. Like I'd have to, if I had to describe my life in one word, it's fun. Like it's, <laughs> it's definitely not a drag and I'm not doing anything really fancy. Like I don't, you know, I don't have uh, a lot of possessions, uh, I, but I have enough possessions that I can, you know, I think sometimes I, if I had short answer is I probably thought success was more materialistic when I was younger. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm going to have like a garage full of different cars. I'm going to have like all these motorbikes and I'm going to have this and that. And now I'm like, actually, I probably would kill myself if I rode a motorbike and uh, I don't really like collecting cars that much. I'd rather have like a really awesome mountain bike and as many kettlebells as I could ever want <laughs> you know and and to be able to like go to the mountains and take three days off or whatever like that's to me that's like and have my kids they still want to hang out with me because I trained at home all their lives when they were and they saw me training all the time and now they're like wow you know 
dad was around, dad was training, he's happy. I'm going to do the same thing. So, uh, yeah, I I feel pretty, (laughs) pretty fortunate where I've ended up. What a humble, great interview that was. Keith's just such a great dude, man. He's got such a cool outlook on life and he, he gets it. What he does isn't for everybody, but it's easy to make little, little changes and, and achieve a little bit of what he's doing. And he's really upfront about the fact that it, it doesn't take superhuman abilities to do these things. And he just talks about the things that are important to him. I love the way he ended that about, you know, his kids seeing him work out and, and train and, and be healthy. Um, there was a little bit of audio glitches there around when he was talking about his, his uh, eat, stop, eat. But uh, we got the gist of it in there. And it's really, um, you know, he's just a wealth of knowledge. What what he does for a living kind of gives him an opportunity to be um, on the high end and, and training, you know, in the, in a prime fashion. And you can see it, man. If you go into the show notes and, and uh, f- click on the links that we've included, um, he's he's doing some pretty wild things. And, and with all the uh, different, you know, ways that he can – he can manage his life and, and train and improve. Um, he shows no signs of slowing down. And I just think that's such the such a cool part of all of this story is he's going to do it forever because that's that's what he wants to do. He's going to figure out ways to push himself, keep himself in shape, and and be a, a part of, of uh, his kid's life, his wife's life, his family's life for a long, long time. Couldn't have asked for a, a better, more humble guy. He was so uh, so gracious with his time. And uh, we just, you know, guys like Keith are, are why we do this. It was so much fun. So we've got a couple of good ones coming up here in the can. I don't, um, I don't like to talk about them until I have them recorded um, and make sure that the audio is good and all the things. But, man, there's some real doozies coming down the pike. We're having so much fun with this, talking to cool people who have these great stories. I mean, Keith was on Joe Rogan's podcast. Uh, that, that's cool. Whether you love Joe or not, being on his podcast is cool. So, Anyways, um, we just want to make sure everyone's having fun doing this. Reach out to us. We love the interactions on Instagram. And uh, we just want everyone to remember that there are no wrong answers. There's no test at the end. So make the most out of every day. The Second Act Podcast would like to thank Ben Sound for the intro and outro music. Happy Rock. That is www.bensound.com. We'd also like to thank Chin Whiskers for the promotional consideration. You can find them at your local Tommy Guns, Original Barbershop, Amazon, or chinwhiskers.ca. And we would also like to thank you for listening. Test the microphone. No mmm noise.